Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, what up? Welcome in. This is uh, Albo with Doug Gottlieb, and we got a great, I think a really interesting podcast for you. Mark, Martin Kucinovich is going to join us. He didn't, he was like a walk on at UC San Diego. Became well. I'll, I'll let him tell the story of what he became, and now has become like an outstanding coach in both Mexico and coaching overseas, and kind of unique career path. And you know, we'll get to all the things that he learned, and guys that he coached with, and guys who he learned from, and and how he's been able to get in. Didn't start coaching until he's thirty five years old. Now in his his mid forties. So I thought that'd be interesting for you. Uh, I'm going to do a pod. We'll drop here in the next coming days about my experience in coaching in Israel with the Maccabi Games team. That's like the Jewish Olympics. Some of you have seen it. I posted on social media. It was an incredible experience. But I will tell you that coaching in the FIBA rules, like I did 24-second shot clock, I used to not be a fan of. Love it. Uh, eight seconds to get across midcourt. Love it. Can't call a live ball timeout. Love it. Just the game flows better. And I'll be honest with you, I actually don't mind the quarters either. Um, don't know if you need the quarters. You probably do just cause out of exhaustion. I don't like the way the game's officiated, but I love the way the game is played and you learn so many things with different movement from different styles in different countries. So it was a, a fascinating kind of eye opening experience. Uh, before we get to that though, let's, let, let's get to Martin and his story as he joins me fresh off of coaching with the Cavs summer league team. 
Your earliest memories of who are where and when? I grew up a soccer kid. I'm from Europe, so originally. So my first memory hoop, actually, I'll take it back. Uh, just watching. I vaguely remember the Lakers-Celtics 80s, but for me, it was really the Pistons series. Lakers-Pistons, late 80s, where I really started getting into it. I didn't know what was going on, but I knew it was good and uh, definitely heated. You mentioned you're a soccer kid. So how much of a soccer guy were you like? Again, what I think, I think one of the things is we, we have a tendency, it's, everybody has it, to look at yesterday through the glass of today. Yeah. Um, so we, we look at you know, European soccer, which is huge, but it was, it was different then in terms of the coverage. Um, you grew up, what city did you grow up in? So I was born in Los Angeles, uh, okay. first generation from Serbia. So we always start with soccer. Uh, for me, I didn't really follow too much. I just talking from a playing, ex- like I, I, that's all I played until about, I'd say eight or nine when I shot up, I'd say no, 10, 10 years old. Then I, I grew, grew suddenly kind of, and I just went right to basketball on my own. Like no one even like mentioned it. I just saw it on TV and started shooting around. It was really just random. What was your, what was your home life like? Yeah, back then? Yeah. Single, single parent, but my grandparents around, so I kind of had a good group around me. Didn't know my dad too much. Uh, just Serbian stories. He just took off when I was young, like just total Eastern Europe, crazy guy. Um, so I didn't have that like father figure to be like, play this, or let me show you how to do it or whatever. I just kind of went to basketball on my own. Um, Vlade Divac was a big part of that because he was Serbian when he went to the Lakers. That really kind of gave me another reason to follow and just try to be like somebody. And that's kind of where it started from, for me. For now, were you, were you in a Serbian community in LA? Yes. I wouldn't say I was like, not like, you know, we were in Glendale, California. So it wasn't like there were people around. It was like a little hood. No, no, it wasn't like that. I mean, we went to church and everything, but to be honest, I got more of that later in life for whatever reason around my like late twenties, early thirties. I, I I was like, before I started coaching, I was like, I say 80% of my friends were from the community, just in San Diego. So it was a little, mine was a little different. I always spoke the language, but it came later in life. Yeah. Okay. And so you, you sprout up, you're big, you start yeah. playing at 10. Yeah. How good were you in high school? Okay. I, I couldn't shoot. Uh, my favorite player was Cedric Sabalos. So everything to me was going to the rim, basket hanging, they couldn't get me off the baseline. Like they were screaming, you get off the baseline. I'm like, no, I'm going to eat over here. Like, um, didn't shoot. I never actually did basketball camps and stuff. I was actually a classical musician growing up. So that's why I kind of like I coach now because a part of me is like, I didn't put enough into the game when I was younger to pursue it seriously that now it's just, I'm all about it. I think that's part of it for me. It's interesting. Cause my, I'd say my brother, there's a little bit of the same. He wasn't a classic musician, but my my dad had to kind of push him more than me. And I feel like uh, it wasn't until wasn't until he was in college and he like was supposed to walk out of UCLA that like the light bulb went on as to how hard he had to work. And like he's the one. He's always been like one of the hardest working coaches I could think of. And I think the reason behind it, one of the reasons behind it, one is just he's a hard worker, but another is because he probably feels like he didn't work hard enough or love it enough 
when it mattered for his career, right? That's so interesting. Yeah, and to a little more detail is like, for me, it was a time issue. Like I'd come home, I'd always hoop, but I just never did the camps. I never really said, I'm going to learn how to be good. I just hooped. I just played in the street, pick up, after school. But my thing was, I'd come home, I have to play piano first. I couldn't, all my friends are hooping. And I'm like, I have to do my music first. I was always kind of behind. And then uh, I played my last two years in high school. It was okay. And I walked on just like that. I walked on to UC San Diego. So not the same program, but I walked on. I was like, damn, okay, this is what it takes. Like, even for D2, I was like, oh, man. And yeah, it was, that was so, so what, what was it like when you walked on at UCSD? What was it like? Um, first shock was the conditioning. You know, we didn't, we didn't touch the court for three days. It was all track. And then um, another thing was the coach then was running a Princeton offense, but like strict Princeton. So if you take a long, like, if you take a long two, you're coming out. And uh, we first, first time we're getting up and down scrimmaging probably the second day. First possession, I hit a long two, go back, I'm feeling good. Next possession, I do the same thing. He takes me out. I'm looking around like, what? And he's just, we don't take long twos. It's layups and threes, run the cuts, and shut up. Like, <laughs> like yeah, follow the game plan. I, I, that was like my first experience of like a system. And, uh, you know, you maybe think you're doing well, but that's coaches have another thing in their head, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's, so what was your experience in college playing like? I didn't play much. Didn't play much. You'll notice on my CV and my LinkedIn, I don't mention it much because I don't want people thinking there's some great resume that I can, uh, you know, tap into. For me, it was just, uh, I always played it even after college. I played, I kind of played some semi-pro, you know, nothing great. Um, and it wasn't until my mid-30s I said, like, I wanted to work in basketball. I didn't know what, what I wanted to do. And eventually, in my mid-30s, I, I, tried a, I, I did a tryout in L.A. with Doug Christie, like a random summer league tryout. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, I, for years, I was like, I'd hate coaching. I'm, I'm too emo of a player. You know, I was always, like, my best comparison as a player was Matt Barnes. I was all over the place. I'm in your face. I'm flying around. And coaching was, like, the opposite for me. I was like, chill. Tapping into like just teaching the game, just the details, not emotionally involved too much, and that's that really changed it for me. Uh, that I really didn't have when I played. So okay, so you yeah. get down at UC San Diego. Yeah. And what did you have a game plan of what you actually wanted to do? No, I was flying in my seat of my pants. Um, I played well in this like kind of uh, intramural. They had some. They had some of the guys from the team. You know, intramurals. I played well against some of them. So I just, my whole thing was don't be afraid to shoot because I really didn't shoot a lot in high school. And it's a confidence thing. As you can see, a lot of guys, even guys I coach, the shot doesn't look good, but if you're confident, let it fly. I mean, especially today's oh, yeah. game. So yeah, my thing was just let it fly if you're open. Um, my, my concern was the conditioning because I never had been through that conditioning work ever really. I mean, I was a skinny kid, tall, lanky, but I was sucking wind. I was sucking wind. So you, so you get done. Okay. Yeah. You get done you, in four years? Five years. I was a star. <laughs> they said five-year plan, so I took five years. Whatever. Okay. So five years. And then yeah. what? What's, what's the first thing you did after college? Stockbroker. I, I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. I was like, um, guy, you know, just, I never worked in an office before. So for me, it was like, ooh, it's, I, all those movies like Wall Street and all that. 
So I studied up, I did all that stuff, and, and I started as a stockbroker. I probably did that for three, four years. And back then, it was hardcore cold calling. You're on the phone all day. So after three or four years, I'm like, I don't think this is a career. It was fun. Made some decent money. But uh, is it in LA? No, this is San Diego. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, ever since college, I've been in San Diego. San Diego's been home when I haven't been coaching. Yeah. Okay, so you do that for four years. Yeah. yeah. And then what? Uh, kind of went more towards media, like creative. Um, kind of worked for a, basically my nine to five was like tech, technical writing. You know, you have to pay the bills. But I started a website called blogandbasketball.com. It doesn't exist anymore. It was just me and my basketball thoughts. Occasionally, I'd try and crack a, a, a news story. It was basically just glorified rumors. But I'm tr trying to get attention. Uh, living on Twitter. You know, back then, it was kind of new. This is like late 2000s. Um, and uh, from there, I was in media. Uh, wrote for some websites like Sports Blog Nation. Occasionally, I got on ESPN, just like one of those little – they'd have like a bunch of blog excerpts on there. Um, and I, I didn't make any money though. So I'm like, what am I doing? I, I want to work in basketball. I, I want to work in pro basketball, but I don't know what still, I'm still kind of looking. Um, then I tried scouting a little bit after going to Vegas summer league, going to some conferences, like career stuff. Um, similar thing. I met a lot of people really got to jump into the game, but again, I'm not, is it a career? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And that's when I did that tryout uh, in LA in 2014. And, uh, ever since I'm just like, I'm going to, I'm a coach like this, this is what I'm going to do. And it was never looking back for me at least. Yeah. Yeah. So, so 2014, what'd you do after that trial? So it was around the same time I, I took a, a job with San Diego surf. It was a uh, semi pro team down here. Uh, they still exist. I think they've changed owners a few times and, uh, no pay, just assistant coach. Cause I, um, to be honest, I, I agreed to that before the tryout, but around the same time I'm thinking about coaching. So I had a year there. That was just a good experience. We had some ex-NBA guys on the on the roster. You know, guys want to stay in shape, keep playing. San Diego has a lot of athletes out here. Um, so that was my first coaching experience. Who was the head coach? Um, Dave Rishner. Played at Utah under Majerus and with Andre Miller. I wasn't ready for that question, though. You're going back in my memory banks. I'm not ready. Well, I mean, you know, it was your first, first coaching job. I mean, true. Uh, okay, listen, have you seen my CV? I've been in five countries in eight, what, six, six countries, eight years. Like, uh, I remember the last two. That was it. <laughs> so, okay, so, you, so what, what was your, if you had one takeaway, what did you take from that experience? From that experience? What was it? Like every, like every place I've been, you learn what to do and what not to do. So okay. some stuff worked, you take it. Some stuff I realize is not for pro guys. I put it in my little memory banks and my notes. Yeah, you know, this is not for this. Um, but definitely the biggest takeaway probably was just organizing, just having a practice in general. Like how are you going to organize a practice? And uh, since then, obviously, I've streamlined it with the different places I've been, G League and whatever. That was the first experience of like, okay, you have to block out times. What what order do you want to do stuff in? Uh, what worked? What didn't work? Do you do the same things? You believe in the same things every day. Do you believe in the same order every day in terms of your breakdowns? Uh, I, I asked that because so I just got back you know coaching like a month in Israel with this team. Yes, and you know we had we had a lot of practices. We had uh, there's 31 practices. Um, 
and eight games, two friendlies and, and six in the tournament. And um, what I tried to do was I do have some fundamental things I like to do every day, but I tried to vary them in terms of the order in which I did them so that they don't become mundane. And I tried to make sure that they were, they were things that they could see themselves getting better at within how we play. Yeah. Like, I think that's a big thing. You know, you, you, you tell them and show them the why, why are we, you know, I've become big on, you know, uh, a playing off two feet series, you know, and shot faking and then shot faking the lane. And then you show them where these angles are. You have only viewed the same angles they'll have within what you do. And then the second one or two of the guys pull it off in a scrimmage or in a game. Now, all of a sudden, the other guys start to kind of feed into it. But again, I, I don't think you can do the same thing every time. So, although some guys like the, the formula of just make it part of their day, much like, you know, getting up and brushing their teeth. Um, in terms of putting something together, do you like the same things every day or do you like a wide variance of it? That's interesting. You, I've kind of got, uh, that's what I've learned over, over the last few years. I don't, I don't want guys comfortable, first of all. I don't want them ever to feel like, oh, we're doing shell again. Oh, we're going to start with this again. Oh, this is coming up next. They already know it because they, they've done it, you know. I have to keep it fresh. Um, I don't even like guys sitting in the same seat on the bus. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm big a little bit like, get out of your comfort zone. You sat there for like three days in a row. Sit over there tomorrow, right? Even if it's a classroom, you're teaching kids. Like, that keeps fresh. That keeps you kind of fresh, too. Um, I know players are creatures of habit, but no, yeah, I mix it up. Um, definitely game simulation. And I'm getting more into like a couple things, always having resistance, like five VO doing offense and stuff like that. Three VO, you want to get shots up and, and actions, but as much as possible, getting defense out there, resistance, even if it's coaches, something. Um, and secondly, also like randomness. Like I don't want them ever to feel like we're going to start with, like there was a time when I thought we always start with defense because you want to stress that. But that gets mundane. It's like we're playing defense. Oh, here comes the shell again or whatever. Um, I don't even – a lot of times I don't even do shell the, the all together. I'll do – I break it up. It's, a, it's an action, you know. Weak side, you're dropping. Uh, just that rotation. And then maybe later we'll do a different one. I, I get the feeling that like a lot of times you go into these – like a shell or something that's just every day the same thing. Yeah, you're building habits. But at the same time, you're losing them a little bit on that energy level and that vibe. I think that's I think that's totally true. That you do you do you you can lose them if you, and and I'd love to say it's just kids these days in terms of like ADD, but I I do think it's that's universal with everybody. You know, the challenge is getting them to getting them to work at kind of that magical level as often as possible. You know, bringing up the energy every every single day. Okay, so you. You get done in San Diego. Then what was next? So you have to have some luck in this business, right? So I, halfway through that season in San Diego, we had a new owner. Uh, still not getting paid, but, you know, getting gas money, whatever. But he came in rebranded. It was kind of like a fresh thing. And he actually was related to somebody who was in the Tijuana pro team organization. So I finished my season. He's like, hey, we're going to do a, like a, a, a scrimmage with them. It's their preseason and they don't have a coach. I'm like, okay. So we did well in that scrimmage and uh, they hired me about a week later. So I went to Tijuana just across the border and that was my first real pro job. Um, it's Ciba Copa. So it's a summer league, you know, three months, about April to July, June. 
And uh, that was good for me because it, that would, that's actually a pro team, you know. So that was the first pro experience, I would call. Yeah. Who is, uh, do you have any Americans on your team? Uh, I had Marcus Morrison, who had been there a while in that league. Um, hard right swing man. Just score, score, score. Uh, I brought a couple Americans with me because that's kind of part of the deal. They want an American coach, and it's always easier for them than to just start chasing imports. They just have somebody come across the border who knows guys. I had Jerry Dupree, who played um, played for the Lakers for a minute. That was a long time ago. Um, so, and uh, Jeremy Maguire, big man, who's Dominic Maguire's brother. Uh, SoCal guys. You know, we kind of got, yeah. got the, the discount guys across the border, you know. Uh, guys I'd coached with the semi-pro team a little bit, so um, that helped. How'd you do? Uh, it was a little bit of a mess. Uh, that was a whole – that's my. That's the part of the thing. Like, you have to be lucky, but at the same time, you learn from experiences. Um, back then, there was no, like – I didn't have a contract. I just took the job, you know? And it turned out there was uh, some ownership dispute. Some new guy was like, I own the team. It's just <laughs> a very Mexican tale, man. They're just like – no, we own the team. We're keeping it. It was a whole thing all season. It was just like a – I basically was there a month and a half before the, the new guy actually took the team over. It was really just like a power thing. It, really, it kind of taught me early on, like, do your due diligence. Like, jobs are nice, but, yeah, you got to research first. Yeah. Who um, – um, what was the, the – I mean, when I'm picturing Mexico Summer League, yeah. I'm thinking there's some interesting gyms and cities you visited. Well, to jump around a little bit, I've coached that league twice since. Once was like a year and a half in Culiacan, which was probably my, honestly, my most fun job of all. The NBA G League, everything. I mean, summer league here was recently was good, but that was my most fun head coach job uh, in Culiacan. Uh, Gyms are better now, but yeah, back then, this is 2018, 2017, uh, really hot, insanely hot, like just terrible uh, some of the courts no joke one court had like dried bird crap like at center court you're running and you can feel like something is underneath your your soles like <laughs> tangible it, it, one baseline i'm sorry one sideline was short so you had to basically take that sean elliott shot from 99 in the corner you couldn't lower your heels very interesting gyms but but to be fair they're much better now because it's a FIBA league uh, it's a pro league, you know, G League guys go down there every year. So, uh, I mean, one, Toscano Anderson played in it two years before Warriors. Um, so it's much better now, but yeah, there's some stories. Yeah. So you, okay. So that ends then what? So Tijuana ended, I went to NBA summer league, uh, which I've been to in the past, but I'm just going to network, meet coaches. And, uh, I fortunately met a couple guys from the Texas Legends staff. And back then, Texas Legends were changing every year, staffs. I mean, it wasn't owned by the Mavs at that time. So it was really rotating coaches. And he told me, listen, I'm moving on, but if you want to get on, I can, I can try and help. So I kind of started that process early and uh, interviewed a few times and uh, fortunately got on there uh, in September of uh, 2015. Who is the head coach? Nick Van Exel. So uh, learned a lot from Quick. Uh, and it was kind of cool because uh, we faced him in summer league. He's with the Hawks now, so he's kind of come full circle for me. It was uh, I owe him a lot because I started as video coordinator and he promoted me uh, mid season, 
And uh, that always feels good. You know, you're grinding and you get kind of appreciated for it. But I learned a lot from him, for sure. What is Nick like? Tough. Uh, you're not going to get a lot of raw-raw from him. He's not one of those guys that you're boys with right away as a coach or anybody. I mean, you have to kind of earn his respect. Uh, you can see he's played for a lot of tough coaches because he's tough. You know, you're a product of your environment. And he played point guard. So he was no BS. But at the same time, really taught me he was efficient. Like, he's like, I put 10 minutes. So that's what you were asking about the what I learned from the first job, what not to do. He put 10 minutes on a drill. And we're not going over 10 minutes. Like, I haven't mapped out. I'm not trying to be here all day. It's inefficient. Like, we got 10 minutes for conditioning, uh, three, uh, four, 10 running up and down, right? Five ball shooting, let's call it. We got 10 minutes for shell. We'll do five minutes to uh, get some shooting, some drifts, whatever. Like, and he would stick to it. And I didn't have that before. And I found that prior to that, my practice would just go so long. <laughs> it was just so inefficient. And uh, I really learned that from him. Uh, what about um, when you were doing film, when you're doing video? Yeah. What were some of the things that evolved you as a coach there? That's how you get better, man. Uh, watching, I was doing all the coaches' clips. Anytime coaches wanted something, I, <clears throat> G League is a little different now. G League is a lot younger. It's more player development and video guys uh, is the vibe I get. And, and back then, I was 35, and I was the youngest coach on a staff of all ex-players. So I'm like, I was like Rook at 35, um, yeah. uh, 36 actually. So I was doing all the video, no, no chit chat, no like, hey, we're buddies. No, no, no. I need this now. Like, um, at the time, we used a lot of synergy, which I think at the time they were moving to sport code, which is now more popular. Um, but Mark Cuban owned synergy, so we kind of, I was kind of playing that game. Where I was, I was doing a lot of my work on synergy, but transferring it to sport code, or also doing it on sport code for the other, because I would communicate with other teams, right, and other coaches. But definitely learned a lot watching different coverages, and especially with him. Uh, Van Exel's no BS. Like he's gonna let you know you're doing a crappy job, and that's good. The last, the, thing, the worst thing you do for a young coach coming up is make him think he's doing a good job when he's not. Like you need to tell me, you need to tell them, like no, this is not gonna cut it. Like this is not what it's not gonna make us better. Not gonna make the player better. So by the end of the season, I was really better at just doing video sessions myself with players with the team. And it's because he was real with me and told me like, hey, this doesn't work. <laughs> like, cut that out. Um, but another thing I learned is less is more from that video coordinator work. Less is more. You can't give guys too much. Yep. Um, same with the, the practice, right? The efficiency of it is yeah. is really important. Yeah. They're, they lose their focus and train of thought. And it, it, you know, it parries down kind of the thought process to a couple of little things. Yeah. Uh, how'd the team do? We were good. We were probably the, I think at that time, uh, at the time, I think we were the best legends team at, at all-star break. Cause we had, we had some good guys in that team, guys who had played overseas, like a two Holloway, uh, Jamil Wilson had played in the, he's in the TBT every year. He's at that back then he was a G league, a D league star. Um, uh, mid season, we got a couple name guys, Josh Childress, Chris Douglas Roberts, who back then were, you know, just got done playing, you know, in NBA and Josh was in Australia. So we had some really good players to lean on and uh, really had a good run. We just, we, we had a bad end to the season just because we started losing, losing guys. Guys took deals back then. You know, if you're not getting called up by February, taking this job in Europe, um, no question. Now it's different. 
with the G League contracts. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, so you get done with that season. Yeah. You got bumped up in the year. Did you go back to Summer League? Uh, yes. Yeah, I was going every year back then. Um, helped the Mavs a little bit on Summer League. Uh, I wasn't on the staff because Mavs just have an army of player development guys, probably still. But I, I was around the staff. I helped them out. Uh, I was there talking to their coaches. Um, I took a job after that in Lebanon as a head coach. Yeah, I just... <clears throat> Something about being a head coach just really appealed to me from my Mexico experience. Uh, So I went to Lebanon, which was a good league. Right now, they're kind of struggling economically as a country. But back then, it was a good Middle Eastern league. Um, Ex-NBA guys, you get three imports, like a lot of places, and the budgets were pretty good. Um, So that was a So paint the picture, okay? You come from, you're living in, you know, you were living in San Diego. Then you're coaching in Dallas. Um, You flew from where to go to land in Lebanon? I think we stopped in Paris and France, you know, Lebanon, they speak French over there. So a lot of those flights go through Paris. 
Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, um, and Beirut. then what, so you, you, you land in Beirut. Yeah. What do you remember? Nicer than I expected on the coast. Um, uh, really nice. Like it, it, like, like a lot of cities, you can go to certain parts and it's maybe not as developed infrastructure wise, but on the coast, Beirut is as nice as you'll find. Um, and the whole city is pretty much on the coast. Like all the teams are along the coast. So I felt like almost like if I compare it to like Malibu, it was like a Malibu league. We're just going up and down the coast. Uh, all the pro teams, obviously, uh, we were the smaller club. They just got promoted. But um, I had a good experience because one of the coaches there was uh, Pixie. His name is Slobodan Subotic. So he's a, he played in Greece uh, from former Yugoslavia. Um, he's coached everywhere. Just a great overseas coach. And he was coaching the big club there and really got to pick his brain and learn a lot. We had lunch every week. You know, I don't think my club likes it too much because, you know, they're very territorial there. But I was just trying to learn and, and, and grow as a coach. Uh, but he was a great dude to, uh, to learn from, even though a different team. So what, what did you learn from him? More player development, really digging into, because overseas, especially from that background, your former like, Serbian coach, Montenegro technically, but so it's called Serbia. Uh, it's a little different approach to player development. Um, you're activating, you're not just going through muscle memory stuff. You're also activating kind of central nervous system stuff. Everything's got to be coordinated with like, you know, when I say one, you do this. When I say three, you do that. And you have to kind of work that in with your drill or maybe even the stuff you see sometimes with like <clears throat> non-basketball stuff where you're just touching you know, a certain color when I blow the whistle, right? Or if I blow the whistle twice. So activating different things instead of just doing basketball muscle memory stuff. Um, also from him, strategy. FIBA, you, you're just exposed to so much different strategy-wise. It comes after, uh, you, you experience this. It comes at you wildly. You'll just, you scouted a team. You had three guys scout. Everyone knows that team. And then they'll just all of a sudden go through like a one-three-one zone and you're just, and it looks like they've been practicing it for two weeks. Like, and you just got to counter it and adjust on the fly. Yeah, I, I find it to be, I, I like the, the rules of the game in terms of the, the way the timeouts work. I think there's, it's a more free-flowing game. Yeah, I love it with the, tw obviously, 24-second, regardless of NBA or whatever. Uh, but I like the 14-second reset. I like a lot of the rules that they have. Um, how, how, about I, the, how about taking it off the rim? What would you think about I love that? that, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I no offensive or defensive uh, basket interference. I, mean, I love that. that. That's a. I'm a fan of that role. I don't understand their interpretation of travels somewhat. Like that's a hard one for me to get. Yep. Yep. Um, and then you know I feel like there's way too much kind of lower body contact, which you get away with. But mm -hmm. th that that stuff is more of an adjustment. Off the ball, you can do whatever you want. On the ball, you, you they really protect the shooter. Yes, so that, that's probably the easiest way. Um, yeah. What were the what were the gyms That's like in Lebanon? Sure. Yeah. Good. Better than Mexico. You know, not not just, just to compare our story here, but like uh good gyms. Um they have good budgets there. Uh fans are are wild, you know, for their team. Obviously, so you say good budgets, like what are, what, are, what, are, what, are, what are, what's your budget for three Americans? I was a lower budget team, so we just got promoted. But over there now. Right now, no. Lebanon's having hard times. They're playing. I don't even think they're playing with imports. So, but back then, they were probably right behind Iran as far as in the Middle East, as far as budget. You could some of these guys were making fifteen a month, fifteen k a month on, on the bigger clubs. I mean, uh, there were some ex NBA guys. You know, they don't go there just for the weather. 
you know. Um, ours were different. Ours was probably about 5K a month for import, but we were the small club trying to kind of make our way in that first division. But, yeah. You know, yeah, the big club, 15, 20K, they had some guys um, coming over from big clubs like in Greece. Greece is really respected there. Um, for whatever reason, Lebanon, you know, Pixie, the, the coach I was talking about, Superteach, he coached in Greece for years. So you're a legend. If you work, if you're good in Greece, you're good in, in Lebanon. That's kind of like there, uh, what it is. But, uh, so as a Serbian coach, I kind of slid by, I, I kind of, I'm Serbian when I need to be, but, uh, but no, back to your question. Uh, budgets were good. Gyms were pretty good. What was your living situation like? Very nice. I'm looking at the, I'm staring at the water, Mediterranean. Um, uh, I'm one of those guys, when I coach overseas, I've been five countries. I, I don't like to be indoors. I'm always either jogging or walking somewhere. So some of the places in Lebanon, Beirut, they're like, coach, don't walk over there. Like, but I can't help it. I, don't, I can't be cooped up. I wanna, that's how I see the city, you know? I'm sure yeah. you're kind of similar when you've been overseas. You want to kind of see what's up, you know? I don't want to be watching Netflix all day when I'm not watching uh, our games and our clips and our, our video. But, um, but it was nice because all on the coast. So you, you can't get lost. There's the ocean. And my apartment's got to be there one way or the other. And I can, it's easy to get a track of that. Yeah. Favorite food you ate when you were in Lebanon? Ah, that was a lot of good stuff. I mean, the hummus was different than hummus here. First of all, like you think you're having Middle Eastern food here and you go over there. It's, it's, um, um, I like that. Uh, I can't remember the name that salad. That's kind of like minty. Yeah. Salad is not supposed to be refreshing like that. Like I was, yeah, I was having that like three times a day. Just, to, <laughs> just freshens your breath and gives you some nutrients, Doug. No question. Yeah. No question. How'd your team do? Okay, for the low budget, it was okay. Um, fortunately for me, uh, to jump ahead to you, I know what the next question is. What's next? But like, fortunately for me, the season ended a little early, and then I was able to go to Canada. I knew a coach that was coaching MBL Canada, and they were starting back then later. So I actually coached two teams in one season, what, what most people call a season, right? Fall to spring. Yeah. Um, so I, I went to, uh, it was kind of good. I got to just judge them right into coaching. I was an assistant coach, but it was a, a former G League, D League coach. So more good experience for me up there. What, what city? I was in Moncton. So you're in where? Moncton, which is New Brunswick. If I could, if I, if someone drew the North Pole, I would think I would, I mean, it was just blizzard every day. Um, uh, when the, when, when the snow broke, so, so, wait, so you go from Lebanon yeah. where you're literally walking the beach or jogging on the beach every day. Correct. To Moncton, which is New Brunswick, middle of nowhere, cold, super, super cold. Yes. Um, how was the basketball? Basketball was okay. You know, that league, which is not doing, uh, it's kind of just to be real, I think, it's kind of, you know, there's a new league in Canada now, so that league's kind of fallen off a little bit. But back then, that's where all, the, like, the G League guys would go. You know, so I played in the G, in the D League. I don't want to go overseas. I just go up to Canada. And so you had a lot of talent up there because uh, most of the team was Americans. Um, so it was some tough, tough hombres in that league, physical league. Um, <clears throat> compared to when you talk about refereeing in FIBA, uh, different refereeing up there. It was like high school coaches who let everything go. just. I don't know what they were doing, but they, they definitely were getting paid by the whistle. You know, it was a very physical league, former D-League guys, and uh, travel was rough, you know, because of the weather and you're in a bus, you know, eight-hour trip in the snow. But 
uh, definitely build character and it's definitely a grind. You grow from it for sure. So, um, so, so, so then where, uh, after that, back to Mexico, that was the, what I mentioned earlier was my, probably my favorite head coaching job, Culiacan. I just, I found a group that was mm, former younger guys, but the guys who lived in the States too. So they didn't, they want to change. They want to kind of change things a bit. You know, you can't change overnight, but they wanted to change how the league worked. They wanted kind of a, uh, an American coach, D league experience, which wasn't unheard of over there, but a little rare because they're kind of old school. So I had a good group that wanted to do things a little differently in that league and uh, really had a good experience in Culiacan, you know, uh, Chapo's backyard, but I enjoyed it. I had no problems in Culiacan. I, I loved every, every day down there. And what, what was your, where were you living there? Uh, I, so back, so part from my other experiences, I said, get me something close to the gym. I want to walk to work. I don't want to be Ubering every day and jumping in cars. It's warm down there. Right. So, uh, I said, get me something close to the gym that I can walk to. Uh, because you still hear stories about Mexico. You don't want to be just walking around, you know, even though, because luckily the gym was in the city. So as long as you're in the city, you're pretty good, you know? And, uh, it was actually nice. I had a nice apartment. Uh, would walk to the gym anytime I wanted. Team office was in the gym, the arena. So, um, I kind of made it user friendly after my, uh, Beirut experience. Did you, so what are you like as a coach now? Like now you're in Mexico, you've had your own team. Yeah. You've been in a couple different countries. You're a little bit more experienced. How, how, how are you as a coach now the second time around in Mexico in terms of practice, playing, how you develop guys? Uh, you know, you, what, 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 what were you like from that perspective? So much I wouldn't say much more chill. I think that came later. You know, we're still, I still have a few year, a few jobs since then. Um, still kind of have that Serbian coach in me where I, I'm intense at times. Um, but I, I learned better how to deal with p- different players. Uh, some guys, you got, you got to get in their face, right? Other guys, you probably message them after practice. Hey, how you doing? Right. Nothing in front of the group, right? Uh, you have to kind of know how to talk to different players. And that, that's something I learned since my first stint down there. Another thing is the organization factor because once you get out of camp, there's not a lot of practice time in that league. It's four games a week. So it's it's two back-to-backs a week. So if you do the math, there's only one practice day because others are travel days and there's a rest day on Sunday. So really Monday was like your practice day. So whatever you didn't get to in camp, it's going to be hard to work in. So I was really more organized in camp um, I was fortunate. I had signed, uh, I'd, I'd gotten in touch with Ben Uzo who played in the league. Sure. Uh, he's, he's still playing now, kind of coaching and playing, you know, he's, but back then he was, he had not played a couple of years. He had a, a condition with a, with his shoulder, a nerve thing. So I got fortunate. He was, he was like, I'm looking to play. I, I don't care where it is. Let's, let's, let's get it. Let's get it going. So I had an XMBA point guard with me. It really helped me keep practices organized, you know, keep the group. Cause you can't really rely too much on assistance when you go overseas. I don't know my experience. You want to lean on guys, but at the same time, you got to get the job done. And if I can have an ex player, I'm sorry, a player who played in the league, uh, he was a kind of like my de facto assistant in a lot of ways. And that helped me stay organized. We get in, we get out, can't be in the gym all day. Cause it's too hot down there. Seriously. So, um, that was really where I really improved 
more organized, more focused on how you want to play and what game situations you're going to do in practice. You can't just be, everything looks good on a, on a practice uh, write-up, right? Practice plan. It's like, what is going to, what are we going to use in games in this league with these refs, with this schedule, right? And that's kind of why I thought it was better. So uh, how'd that team do? Great. We were kind of a middle budget team that played better than a lot of high budget teams down there. Just because, um, for example, one of my guys said, I've never played one of my players, Bruce Massey. He's playing in Europe, but he played in the D league as well. Point guard. He said afterwards, I've never played on a team that, that played downhill like that. Like at home, he felt like we were literally running downhill either half. Didn't matter what side we we're going. He said, we just felt like we we're going downhill on guys. So they really embraced that kind of D, uh, NBA style of play that I had learned, you know, in the D league. Um, had a couple other good guys, uh, Duvon Maxwell. He just, he played at Hampton, just like a two way swing, man. He's playing in Europe now. Um, just really great. I, I had a great group that embraced. That's what I really learned is you need a group that embraces, uh, that buys in whatever level you're at. You, you need that buy-in. And I had that there and I saw how it worked. So, um, we basically uh, made the playoffs, lost in the semifinals to the eventual champion. Um, let a couple games go. You know, you, you know when you lose, but you know you kind of gave away. It doesn't feel good, but at the same time, you know, like, yeah, we, we let it, we let a couple go. We can, we can get better at that. You know. Yeah, no, it's completely understand. So that that's a summer league. So that obviously took you out of NBA summer league. What was the next fall? Yeah, did. Uh, well, actually, no. So that league, I'm, I'm fortunate. That league is fun, actually, because it ends even if you go to the finals, you probably can't get to NBA Summer League. But I was still going because we lost uh, late June. So I, I was at Summer League that year, too. You know, I coached some camps. I coached that worldwide camp that was popular every year back then um, for overseas guys. So um, after that, obviously, that's a, a league that doesn't start till the next spring. So you're basically around that fall, I didn't really like any of the options I had. You know, I didn't see anything that really fit me overseas. Um, I kind of made a concerted effort to focus on, on, on China. Like I really wanted to get to China and coach in the CBA. You know, I, I heard some good things, obviously of high level imports. And uh, even though it didn't happen right away, I got there the next year. And, uh, that was like a real, real big step for me as far as a coach, just getting to coach at a wait, wait, what year is this that you got to China? Well, now this is 20, this is 2020. So we're going now into 2020. Uh, May, I got an offer to coach in, uh, in China, in the CBA. Where in China? So the, the team was Qingdao, um, on the coast, nice city, uh, Long story short, wasn't able to get there just for paperwork reasons, whatever. They, this, this is basically we're hiring a coach for the off season to help us prepare for the for the next season, and then kind of we'll talk. Basically, right? I mean, you get a year contract, but I could get the vibe that like we want to want you to work with us in the summer, and 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 I think the focus is more defensive system. Um, but for paperwork reasons, other things, I wasn't able to get there. Uh, but I would still help them. Like we're doing Zoom calls and all that, you know, trying to. I'd be giving them practice plans. I was telling their coaches how to do stuff. Um, and then when the fall came, I had an offer from another team in China, in Tianjin. And that's the one where I, I took and I, and I traveled. Uh, so to, to get to Tianjin, how do you fly there? Hong Kong. 
LA to Hong Kong. I mean, San Diego. So it was LA to Hong Kong to, and that's where you got to do that visa stuff because that's in Macau. So you got to stop in Hong Kong. I had a team official there with me, spent about three, four days there. I, I thought we were on vacation. I'm like, are, are we going to get to work? Like we're literally just hanging out in Hong Kong and then Macau for a week. But you know, there's a coach we got to wait. I, I think the guy wanted to do his shopping, you know, I didn't want to mess with his timeline, but he said, you're a good coach. I already spoke to the management. They're fine with us here. I go, all right, we'll just hang out here, wait for my visa to get done. And eventually got to Tianjin, which is by Beijing. Paint me the picture of what that's like. Uh, Tianjin? Yeah. Uh, a little more hard-nosed town. Uh, we didn't play in the city. We kind of played in the burbs. Uh, if I could compare it, if you're a San Diego guy, like we're playing in Miramar, you know, uh, kind of, you know, <clears throat> And staying out there too. So we played at, we played our, our, our home gym was at a university out there. Uh, good court, but you know, university. So we weren't in the city too much where I could enjoy where usually foreigners are. You know, when you're in China, there's all these foreign cliques in the city where you can go somewhere and literally you feel like you're in Europe or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't have that. It was just, we're at the, at the apartment, you have food served for you and you're grinding all day. So uh, cold, more of a grind. But good, because that's what I wanted. I wanted, you know, we had two imports, <clears throat> uh, three imports actually on the roster, two were ex-NBA guys, and one was a top-level center from Europe. So, so who are your imports? Uh, Jason Randall played at Stanford. Sure. Um, he had just, that China stint for him was right between NBA jobs. So he was at that time an NBA player st- playing in the league. Um, Julian Wright had just signed, even though he was a little bit older. He never played for us. Cause that same season COVID hit. So we had to end early, but um, he was also an ex NBA guy could kind of pick his brain stuff. He had seen in the league. Talk me through how the COVID thing took place in China. A little crazy. So we're on a road trip and you heard, you heard rumors about it, but you don't pay too much mind. I, I have no experience in that. So what, what time of year is this? So this is uh, let's go to January of 2021. So now okay. we're, yeah. Later in that season, so January 2020. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. January 2020. So I messed up right. early. Yeah, right. 2019 is when I went to. Yeah, my bad. Uh, so 2020 January, and um, we're on a road trip, and all of a sudden, so we get a win. We go out the night that night, and we're kind of celebrating because it wasn't a great team. So when we win, you know, we kind of had a good time, and uh, especially I guess a good team on the road, and. Uh, we get to the airport the next morning and all the players have masks on. And us foreigners don't. No one told us anything. We're just like, whatever, dude. Right? And we're looking at the airport. Everyone's got masks on. We're like, something we should know about? They go, yeah, you probably should wear one. Don't get too alarmed. But yeah, this virus is spreading. I go, what? Like, <laughs> thanks for letting us know ahead of time. Because like, obviously it wasn't, it had been there, right? A couple months that there'd been cases of it. So, um, it was very unique because I was just when the holiday started, the Chinese New Year. So the whole league was taking a week off. Except us, our management decided, you're going to get a couple of days off, take the weekend off, but we're going to go back to practice on Monday. Like, we're, we're not very good, and you don't deserve it. And that's fine. You know, I came there to work. Unfortunately, that weekend was kind of long because the whole time you're getting reports of this COVID thing and hearing about other teams' Imports either leaving or they're already gone on vacation. 
So we as a group, basically our two or three imports and our me and another Spanish coach with a strength coach. So five Americans, uh, foreigners, let's call it. We're just sitting there like, okay, what do we do? Because they're telling us. Now, do you guys all live in the same apartment area? Uh, not the players, but me and the, and the Spanish strength coach, yes. But not the players. So I made it also difficult because they're in a different part of town. We're just messaging with them. Uh, long story short, they're also leaving. You know, they're like, I'm going to fly myself out. Like, I'm not going to leave anything to chance, right? And uh, so now everyone's leaving. Our imports are leaving. And we're kind of messaging the team. What do we do? What's going on? They don't reply for more than a day. Like literally texting like the GM, no reply. And uh, that was a little crazy because you just want information. Just tell me, hey, tell me to chill and I'll chill. But like if you're telling me the league's basically the league stalled for three weeks, they announced they're not going to play for three weeks. All the foreigners are leaving, but we practice on Monday. Like, and this is going on. So long story short, we ended up flying ourselves out just to be safe. And it was the craziest day, Doug, because – I woke up from my flight at s early. So, was, and I had my alarm set 6 a.m. I get woken up by a text from home. It was 5.45 a.m. my time. And my friend's like, dude, Kobe's dead. Like, like so I'm already, not, not to make this about me, but like, you know, you kind of already going through some stuff in your head. And then that was the day that, that Kobe had passed away. And I just like, what's going on? Like, you're hearing stuff about this deadly virus. And this, I'm just like, surreal time to be even like packing and moving and, and trying to flee a country for something that you don't know about basically. Right. And, uh, but long story short, I got home, you know, had I known that it was going to be a global thing, you know, you think you're putting it in your rear view, right? Had I known it was a global thing, I probably would have stayed because what's the point of, you know, it's, it's going to be everywhere. Right. But at the time, you know, we thought it was a, a, a virus in this country, right. In China. And I'm going to leave China. Right. So you leave, you come back to San Diego. Did you get all your money? How did the, how'd the money thing work out? I did not. Well, I got what, they, I, got what I was owed to the time I left. Um, <clears throat> I was told by my agents, because I, I want to have a good relationship. You know, relationships are everything. I was told by my agent, just let it go. You know, do you want to chase that 10K for the rest of your contract, for the rest of that season? When really, <clears throat> all I really cared about was the flight. I would like them to reimburse the flight because that's in your contract. Like, you know, you we'll fly you home. Um, but technically, because I left on my own accord, they say, hey, you can go to FIBA. I got the impression that FIBA's not going to do much for you anyways either. So what? Am I just going to piss off the team? That, yeah, the league? No. Nah, for me, it wasn't – I think more about the career. So uh, still have a good relationship in China. Would like to keep that door open one day, you know. What did you do during uh, when COVID? So you get back here and things aren't yet yeah. shut down, right? So you had a couple of, you had probably a month before everything, uh, I mean, a couple weeks for it. Yeah. In true Martin fashion, like I did with Beirut, I went right to Mexico to coach. That league was starting up and uh, I took a job in that same league, you know, comfortable, you know, the people, you know, the league. Uh, unfortunately, they shut it down about a month in. So now we're in about March, 2020. And, uh, at that point, it was like everyone else come home and just pandemic, ghost town, <laughs> no basketball, no nothing. Uh, Pick up any new hobbies? More reading. I never was a big reader, but I definitely uh, picked up reading. I know it doesn't sound like a big deal, but like I really was never in my life. I just couldn't, I can't sit down for long enough to read, like finish a book. I'll, but I really got into just, just reading, 
some of them are self-help stuff, you know, I also got to focus on the mental side of, you know, <clears throat> if I can go back and study something, it would be like uh, sports psychology. Cause I've yep. seen firsthand how big that is with a team individuals, but also with a group. And like, we're talking about practice plans, and everything. There's a mental component to that. You can't just drill home stuff and, and think you did a good job as a coach. You got to kind of play that, uh, that have that awareness of where your guys are at mentally and how to keep things fresh. And, um, and I kind of read some stuff on that. I studied that, did some seminars, uh, just like call, you know, little stuff on zoom. So that stuff was helpful for me as a coach. COVID starts to kind of, uh, things that, that, that spring, that summer is a wash, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, fall of last fall. So this is last fall. What'd you yes. do? Yes. Uh, last fall, uh, just not seeing a lot of great options out there. Like uh, this country's got crazy rules. Uh, they're not bringing foreign. I mean, There's not a lot, not a lot of jobs out there. And uh, you know, G League was going to the bubble. They weren't exactly looking for. They're just bringing back their former coaches, right? They're not looking to. I don't think a lot of guys took G League jobs right around that time. You know, they're just trying to get through a season for business purposes and also basketball. Um, my friend was coaching in Vietnam. He says we're starting. You know. We're going to start next next year, but you can start the process now. There's no COVID here. The country is like super strict as far as you come in, you quarantine, and, and then there's no COVID. Like there's zero cases. So I go there the next spring, and while we're in quarantine, COVID starts. And it's just like, come on. So three weeks in a hotel room because they extended the quarantine. I can't leave the room. Three weeks in a room. So uh, a little bit. How did you get food? Oh, they're bringing us food. Not the greatest. We eventually started ordering out because the hotel food was a little, I don't know, very greasy. You know, it's just, it's not exactly healthy. So, uh, no, they brought us food, but just, you know, you can't leave the room. Not even to stretch, no, no exercise, strict room quarantine. And then eventually got out. Uh, COVID's now picking up over there. So that country doesn't play with COVID. They're, everything's shut down. We were kind of semi-locked down in another hotel as a team, basically just in the gym every day. I mean, a real gym, not basket, basketball gym. Like yeah. just training, physical strength stuff, trying to keep active, um, and eventually change cities to, to, to start the league in a bubble. You know, basically they're just running from COVID at that point, you know. Um, <clears throat> so I eventually played a season in a bubble in Vietnam. What was that like? Tough. Probably my toughest experience, even in life, like just just being stuck in a in a in a hotel for three months, and with the pressure of winning. It wasn't like yeah, you're just hanging out. Like we had to win, and at the same time, you really don't have any fresh air. Like you you're basically busing to practice, and even when you bus, they want you to close the windows, uh, the drapes, because they don't want the, the local government doesn't want people seeing like activity you know then people are gonna be like hey wait a minute we're sitting here locked down what are these people doing in buses right so um but it made me stronger as a coach like there's no job now that i would take that i would look at like oh this is so hard like that was to me so difficult personally and professionally that now i'm just the, the battle scars are there like as a coach i can handle any situation there's nothing unless you're shooting at me in the game i can handle pretty much everything else like what's the basketball like in vietnam uh, getting better. I wouldn't say it's great. 
Um, fortunately, because of the timing, we got a lot, lot of bang for your buck as far as imports. You know, the budget is a set budget for that league that isn't very high, but you got guys who've been sitting home, right? Guys who played in the G League, guys who played in a first division in Europe. So they took the job, and it was actually a really good season. Like if you watch it now, like this season's, I don't think, like our season looked way different than the one I watched on tape. Like my practices changed very quickly because I realized um, we have to put some different stuff in offensively. Our coverage has to be different because these imports are way different than the previous years. Uh, and you get two per team, uh, which usually it's one. That season was two, so you can really go two man game and get a lot done uh, for stretches. How'd you do? Terrible. Got some bad luck. I could have been better, to be fair. Uh, we lost one import in the bubble to a slippery floor, which was kind of an ongoing problem. We stopped the league twice because of a slippery floor. It was just so humid. It was constantly wet, like slippery court. So was this during the rainy season or, or no? To call it a season is, is tough. It's, it was basically a long tournament. It was, by that point, it, it had been shortened to like an eight-game eight game bubble with a couple of preseason games that also kind of factored into standing somehow. So let's call it 10 games and then playoff. So about halfway through those games, we lost an import, can't replace him. So now we're without one import. And at the same time, my other heritage player who was uh, basically one player who's like foreigner, but has Vietnamese heritage. Yeah. Um, he also went down kind of a knee injury, not ending the season, but definitely couldn't play a couple of games. And we just, yeah, I went off the rails real quick. Um, season was a mess. <laughs> season, was, season was a mess. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainer, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. 
Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Okay, so this is yeah. uh, a, what, a year ago in the spring that was over, right? Uh, that, so that's the thing. It ended in because it got pushed back so many times with COVID and the court and all this other nonsense. I didn't get home until September. Basically, they, they canceled the season in the playoffs. We didn't even finish. It was just like a fourth season, long story short. And eventually, they pulled the plug because if we keep trying to make this happen, because it kept getting delayed, that imports are going to be stuck here till because you can't leave the country. It's like lockdown. So they said, let's get you guys out of here now, wrap the season. So we don't have to pay you like for three months just sitting around, right? That's basically their fear. So I came home in September. <clears throat> A lot of other leagues had already started. And it was that time that I said, you know what? I haven't coached summer league with an NBA staff. I uh, haven't really been able to pursue it. I said, I'm doing it. I don't care how I'm going to reach out to, you know, teams. And I kind of made that my focus. And also, obviously I'm working with players locally. I was doing some scouting for a, a team in Spain, but on the coaching side, I, that was my goal. Like I get on the summer league staff and uh, <clears throat> be able to work with them in the mini camps and all that. So how, how did you happen to go with Cleveland? I, I had met Bernie Bickerstaff going back a few years and I messaged him just asking him if, uh, JB was going to look for guest coaches, you know, not anything more intense to say, do you think he's going to look for guest coaches for summer league? And he replied to say, hit him up yourself. Here's your number. So I said, okay, JB, I'm obviously Bernie said some nice things about me, but JB from, he replied right away. Just the nicest guy. Definitely stay in touch. Yes. Uh, we want guys like you on the staff. I don't have the dates yet, but he was all, and ever since then, that was in March. And ever since then, he was following up with me, uh, keeping me in the loop. So really great vibe from them from the start. Now, did you just go to their camp for the G League or did you go to their pre-draft workouts? Like, what was your level of involvement? I'm not the pre-draft stuff. So they had camps starting after that. And uh, we were there about a week in Cleveland and uh, just working with the summer league guys. But uh, from day one, we felt like we we're on the staff. It was really just a, just a family vibe there. It really, people say family, but they really do act like that. It was really refreshing. Um, okay. So, you know, you have all this uh, knowledge of coaching overseas and um, it, from a kind of wide array of styles, a wide array of countries and every country has a style and then your own personal kind of evolution. Now you come back to the NBA and granted, it's the, you know, it's the summer league, but they're trying to implement some of the things that, that they do to see how these guys react within it. What's the basketball like for you in terms of an adjustment in coaching? 
First of all, they are great because they, they want all these new ideas. So I came in there thinking, uh, don't step on any toes, just blend in. Cause my personality is a little bit more in your, f I'm out there. Like I'll speak my mind. I, I, I decided to coach at 35. So I'm not a kid. I'm, 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 I'm all in this, you know, with ideas and other stuff. So I was referring to, they wanted to hear these different ideas from college coaches, from overseas coaches, from everybody. And, uh, if anything, they were like mad when you weren't speaking up and you weren't jumping onto, onto the court to do a drill, or maybe I have a different uh, way of doing this. So that was refreshing to not only learn from them, but get validation of your own knowledge, you know, in a sense. Sure. And that really, that really felt good. What were, what were the games like? Summer league? Yeah. Not a lot. Obviously you're getting up and down, not a lot of continuity. Um, sustaining that ball movement was the biggest thing. Uh, and also for us, we were trying a new coverage out for the, for the caps. So they want to see how a certain coverage looks for training camp. And they need like a lot of G leagues te teams do. They, they're kind of like a guinea pig, lack of a better term. They're trying yeah. to coverage out. Let's see how it works. Let's have some data. What, what coverage? So it's just a pick and roll coverage. Um, they trap. Uh, sorry, switch and trap. But how you do that, what works, what what way to do that best? So it's not telegraphed all the time. Sure. And like a lot of teams are doing it, you know, lack of a better Lakers did it. If you notice, whenever Melo would switch out, they trap, right? Like, the, but it's one thing to say it, and one thing to actually drill it home and have a set rotation where you're, I'm, I'm, we're going to leave this guy. We're coming. We're going to, we're going to basically induce this pass and not give this pass. And that was kind of a, that was. We had some rough times in summer just because we we're we we're doing something aggressively on the defensive end. So as long as you have that right perspective, it was definitely a success. You know, it's fascinating because, um, uh, like you, I don't think people have the understanding of it's not just the level of intelligence needed to be a basketball player, but the the processing that you have to have, and that's the perfect example of it, right? Like, hey, with within within one within a a defensive assignment, you can have multiple coverages based upon personnel, and then your rotations can be different based upon personnel. And so the, the days of like, like, I think that's the big thing that so many of these younger players struggle with. We evaluate players at a younger level based upon their ability, usually with the basketball, right? And yet there are, uh, Billy Donovan talks about 95% of the time you don't have the ball in, in basketball. Uh, but it's it, like, these are things that they literally have no idea about none. So I, and I think how quickly they process that by that really determines in many ways, their ability to play at that level. Cause every level is the same from this perspective. And I think you can attest to this. You get on the court initially based upon your level to defend, right? Like the, nothing eliminates a younger player from playing is can't guard anybody. Right. Because the older you are, the more time and experience you have, you're going to get more opportunities to score and with the basketball. They'll keep you on the floor. But to get on the floor when you're a freshman in high school, freshman in college, rookie in the NBA, you got to be able to guard somebody. And it's not just the everybody thinks guards like, can I just stop this guy? Like, no. Can you stop a bigger guy on a switch or a smaller guy on a switch? And then you know where you're supposed to be in every different rotation or every different ball screen coverage. And I don't think we do a good job, one, of evaluating, and two, are articulating that 
to people to help them understand that's in many ways what determines somebody's early success or failure in the NBA. Yeah. You see every year there are guys who, because an NBA team and they invest in a guy, oh, you're a first round pick and you'll see he plays early. Like he'll, he'll get a, the, you know, whether it's the coach or management as well, say, hey, get him in the game. Like he can play. Uh, he did this and this in college. He was our 17th pick, whatever. And then by like December, January, you see he's not in the rotation anymore. Well, yeah, because you know what? If you are if you have a rotation and you're supposed to be at the elbow and he's down on that mid block, that's a big difference on a rotation. Yeah. You no lose question. games, you give up an 8-0 run in the second quarter because that rookie did something like that. So you see it a lot, I think, uh, where it's not so much rookies hit a wall. They always say, oh, rookies hit a wall. Well, no, it's, you can get on the court because of maybe your name and what the, you know, the, the, the team invested in you, but you have to win games. I mean, you see, now I'll play that vet who knows where to be. And there are plenty of vets who can't guard them. Like who are marginal on the ball, but they know where to be all the time. Yep. Okay. So much part of the game. It's a huge part, huge part of the game. Okay. So what's next for you professionally? Right now, um, <clears throat> I have a couple opportunities in Europe. I've never coached in Europe. Um, they've been, Pass along to me, uh, pretty good uh, situations. You know, I'm, I'm from Serbia. I've never coached in Europe. It's something I always wanted to do. But at the same time, uh, my number one choice would be to go get back in the G League. And that's kind of was part of my summer league experience is just getting around those guys again, uh, getting familiar with the just coverages to change. You know, it's been a long time since the legends, you know, they're doing different stuff now. And uh, <clears throat> that's probably my priority right now. I think I can help a, a G League team on a staff. Um, but Europe, I don't know, something about Europe too. I've never, you were just in, uh, in Israel. I'm for me, I've never, I've never coached there and I, I've always wanted to coach in that continent. Yeah. Um, if you had advice to somebody else who's early thirties, they're like, man, this is my passion. I see Martin doing it. I want to do it too. What would you tell him to do? Follow your pride, put the pride away. So my first two coaching jobs, both, I was like, what am I doing here? I'm not making much or anything. Uh, this guy who runs a team, sometimes I'm looking at the decision-making like, what am I doing here? This is just, it, swallow your pride. You're investing in yourself. So a lot of people think like when you swallow your pride, you do it for the other person or the other person on the other side of that, that you're kind of maybe, no, you do it for yourself because you don't need people saying stuff like, oh, he's hard to work with or he's got a bad attitude. No. Good attitude, positive, and just take the positives from every situation because there's going to be some some tough times. You know, it's not a easy business to break in that, in that sense of just like um, there's going to be speed bumps, uh, hurdles, you know, and just got to stay positive. Is there a coach that you watch that you say, if if I ever can get to the NBA or the highest level, this is who I want to coach like? Uh, there was a, a Doc Rivers was on my list for a long time, and I was around those Clipper teams. I was before, kind of around the time where I was scouting, so I was going to a lot of Clipper games. Um, the way he, you see, when he takes a job, you see there's always like an infusion of life and good vibe with his groups. Where he never takes a job and it's like a first year's rough. It's always like boom, like Doc's here. Like there's something about that. The way he, I think, is uh, not only work strategy in but there's something there must be something there about his practices that has a good vibe you know uh so he's one of those guys 
Um, one guy overseas, I love how he teaches the game that I would love to be like is uh, Etro Messina, who's with sure. the Spurs for a long time. I love how he teaches the game. Something Maybe just the accent. I don't know. I'm trying not to get caught up too much. But he teaches it so well. And that's such a big part of the game is teaching it without getting that voice to be annoying at some point, right? Players eventually start tuning well, out you that gotta, voice. You yeah. know, it's interesting. It's, it's very much like when you're on TV or radio or doing a pod where you want to teach people, you don't want to lecture them. Right? Nobody wants to be lectured. Like I like learning things, just don't want to be lectured about. It, you know, uh, don't don't talk down to me. There's a there's a, a an absolute gift to that level of communication, that style of communication. Because because players want to know the why, maybe even more than the what. Like why are we doing this, right? But you got and you but you got to do it to where you don't say this is why we're doing it. Stupid. This is why we're doing it, and it's you know and make you th- make them think it's an investment in them. I, right? I, I've tried this trick of I'm always working on that too is, uh, well, number one, you can always say less. My thing is you could always say less. There's never a time where you're like, I should have said more. It's always, when you're coaching, you can always say a little less. And also, I always kind of assume, I'll just throw it in there, that the guy's already done it before. Let's say we're going over defensive coverage. I'll throw something out, I'll be like, you've probably done this before. Even if I'm wrong, people right. like hearing that. I have done this. Even though they have right, right. Or, or you say, even to a guy who's not particularly bright, Listen, you're a smart guy. You know this. Like you're a really bright basketball player. You're a very talented basketball player. So you, I know you can do this. Let me. I got to do a better job of explaining this. You know, you, you take guy. it on yourself yeah. Yeah. in a self-deprecating yeah. sort of way. Yeah, and, and that's actually one of my jobs. I think it was eleven on one. I had to. Tr- I had to drill these guys. For some reason, I had a. They were just a little more stubborn. Maybe it's a culture thing. But everyone was barking at each other in practice. I go, let me teach you a phrase, guys. My bad. This is going to help you. Them. You taught them my bad. I taught. They were like my Usually, bad. Okay. Like a lot of times, I want to get away from the my bads. Like I, I don't need the my bads. Get back on defense, right? But yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I was teaching it, and actually, I've talked to people. They're like, I hate my bad. I go. It depends on the context because if you have a group that's just always blaming the other person, sure, that's exhausting. Yes. And that's so. As a coach, I always out there like my bad, my bad. Oh, it's coach's bad, so it's okay. Like <laughs> even if it's not, it doesn't matter. It's. <laughs> When do you have to make the call, decision on Europe? Um, I've already kind of made the decision to to, to pass on a couple of things because the G League timeline is different. So that's in September. And I've kind of already made that that decision probably, unless something spectacular comes around. I'll probably uh, wait out on that for another month here. And uh, I think I can always circle back to something, even if it's uh, uh, maybe not a head coach position. I think there'll be opportunities um, as we go in the season. That's the one thing about coaching. I never feel bad. We're, we're hired to get replaced. So I never feel bad when I leave a, a job. That's just the nature of the business. I never, I never poaching on another person's job either, but I know there's going to be opportunities because that's just the nature of, of the business. So I never really think too much. Yeah. You want to have a team from the starting training camp and all that. But for right now, I, I think, I don't think Europe's going anywhere, uh, especially after summer league. That experience was uh, really good for me. So. I need to see out the G League a little bit. Hmm. Okay. So you haven't done your... As you can attest, overseas, you can't always do player development like you want. And the G League is all player development. Like that is, it's video, it's on the work, it's skill development. And then there's more video. Like it's, that's... So, and that's coming, I've missed the last few years overseas is, it's all about winning games, but did I make anyone, how much did I make this guy better? Like... I, I, I like... I like to try and do both, but I do understand it's really, it, it's hard, you know? Um, 
it, it's hard because you want you got to get better as a team and sometimes the individual takes a sidestep to that and and it also depends on the age of the player right you get guys that are 32 years old you just can't they you just can't work them the same and they're also kind of who they are you're not going to evolve them that much you know and if you want to get a 21 22 year old player that's great but as a foreigner you're not going to win with that that's just really hard to win with like as a coach you get in, I get into the mode of so now instead of like making guys better now I'm just basically trying to get the most out of certain guys oh this guy does this really well so now I'm basically just like managing guys I'm not making it I want to make guys better yeah yes. at the same time I I understand and appreciate it hey man you've been great with your time it's an interesting path right Thanks, to go appreciate to it. go from what you've done to stockbroking being a stockbroker to an unpaid coach then traveling around there the was, world there was a lot more broke than stock <laughs> there was a lot more broke than stock. Was stock. there a stock that hit? Was there one that was like, I'm hot to trot on this one? No, actually, we did more bonds. We did more bonds. So I had the retired investor who was really just looking for that highest bang for the buck as far as like bonds. So yeah, it was a, more of a bond house, but definitely some some interesting uh, money management stuff we did. It was, <laughs> it was interesting. I'm, sh I'm sure. I'm sure. That's another pod for another time. Martin, thanks for joining <laughs> dude. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Doug. That. Appreciate it. Really interesting stuff, right? I mean, there's a guy who's literally a self-made coach, decided this is what he wanted to do for a profession, decided he loved hoop, and he's 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 throwing himself all in on it. Well, I'm, I hope you enjoyed it. By the way, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific, on Sirius XM, and on your iHeartRadio app, and on Fox Sports Radio nationwide. Remember to download, subscribe, rate, write a review. Hope you liked it. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.